0: amen amen it's so good to be able to minister the word of the lord to you this morning and i want you to know we're going to come from i love how the spirit of the lord begins to operate we we went through a season where we was ministering to a lot of people in recovery uh ministries we still do that to an extent on friday nights over in popper bluff and and uh what is amazing to me though, that as we would minister to them, so many people would come up to us after the service was over and they said, do you get with the other preachers in the community and do you talk about what you're gonna preach every time that you get together because it seems like they would go one place and they would hear the word of the Lord and they would go to the next place and it would be the, around the same thing and it would go to the next place and it would just because that's how the spirit of the Lord operates. He doesn't operate in confusion, but he obs- he operates with a direct, and a purpose and some of the stuff that has been stirring in me that I'm going to bring to you this morning it has been stirring in this house for months and months and and pastor Zach and pastor Val and those people that come in here and minister they have been speaking along the lines of the same thing because that is what God is speaking into us and when God begins to speak in this manner guys we have got to pay attention amen so I thought it was amazing when Miss Alexis got up to take up the offering she began to quote the scripture that I'm going to be ministering from tonight it's not like we got together and said hey wouldn't this be cool if you just came up with this scripture and then I'm going to say the same thing and try to guys this is how the spirit of the Lord operates so if the Lord is speaking in that manner from 2nd Corinthians and then he placed that upon my heart guys we need to pay close attention to what God is wanting to speak because there There is freedom. There is life. There is deliverance. There is prosperity. There is abundance when we respond to the word of the Lord. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll be reading from from verse 6. This is what the word of the Lord declares. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Father, I thank you for the power and the authority of your word that it produces long-lasting, life-lasting change. Father, and we're going to see the fruit and the manifestation of the power of it in the name of Jesus this morning. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, there is one. We've been talking about the harvest. How many of you believe it's a season of harvest? Half of us believe, but I believe that by the end of the service, the other 50% are going to believe that we're in a season of harvest. Guys, and I believe that it's not coincidence that we're also moving into the season of natural harvest. You know, I live in the middle of a field, and we breed mosquitoes where I'm from, and I cannot wait till harvest comes, because when, when the crops are cut down and the crops are harvested, guess what goes with the crops? The mosquitoes go with the crops, so we're going to step into an abundance of no mosquitoes. Praise the name of the Lord. But I don't believe it's coincidence that we've been talking about the season of harvest. We're moving into the natural season of harvest. I believe what we see in the natural is really a byproduct of what's going on in the realm of the spirit anyway, because how many of you will believe that the realm of the spirit is 10,000 times more real than what we see in the realm of the natural? So what we are seeing is things beginning to stir by way of the spirit. Men and women of God are beginning, not just beginning, but it's been happening for a while, this sense of going after the harvest, going after the loss, going after those things that God has prepared for those, but there is a responsibility upon the people who are ready to receive in order for them to get to where they need to go. There is one key to moving into the reality of the harvest and it's sowing. We have any farmers in here? We got a few. We have a few farmers in here. Guys, we're moving into this realm, into the season of harvest, and at the beginning when it was time to plant and it was time to sow, we can't move into this made-up reality. I didn't do nothing when it was time to sow, but now that it's time to reap, I'm going to go out and harvest because if there is no sowing, there will never be a reaping of that which was sowed. Are you in agreement with me so far? Without sowing... There is nothing to harvest. Now a while ago we got a great revelation concerning giving as we worship God through our tithes and our offering guys, and that's of necessity. Amen. We need to come, not just, I remember hearing a story that a man was obedient to the word. He was giving like he needed to give. He was sowing where he could. He was just trying to be obedient to the spirit of the Lord as the Lord was directing him concerning giving financially. And he said, God, I'm not receiving the breakthrough that your word declares. And he said this, the reason you're not receiving the breakthrough that my word declares is because you're not just supposed to sow where I tell you to sow, but you're supposed to do it with a cheerful heart. And a lot of times we just say, okay, God, I'll do it just so you'll get off my back. And guys, we're not going to reap the reward that comes with sowing if we have that attitude when it's time for us to sow. But guys, I don't want to just talk to us about money this morning because the Bible declares that there is so much more involved with sowing than just giving financially, even though that is a major component of sowing. I want to talk to you guys about a few People that has been influential in my life, not that I know them personally, but their names are going to be familiar. They had a a very public stage. God used them in mighty ways. But the last time I got to minister, I was talking about this man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Has anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Mighty man of faith. You can, you can go and get his books on faith. And you know what's amazing to me is there's just so many stories that you can pull from about him walking into a place where they were having a funeral, grabbing this man up out of the coffin and slamming him up against the wall. And the guy, breath, entering back into his body and the man coming alive. And, and I know a lot of people will say that never happened, but it was documented. It did happen. There was another story about Smith Wigglesworth that he was praying for people, and a man came up. I don't know what had happened, but the man no longer had feet. His feet was cut off for for whatever reason, and all he did was he had nubs down there, and he came up for prayer, and Smith Wigglesworth laid hands on him, and he said, tomorrow when you get up, you need to go buy yourself a pair of shoes. So he goes to the shoe store, and what's happened? He says, he walks in and said, I need a pair of shoes. The guy that's selling shoes looks at him and said, What size? He said I don't know how about 10 10 and a half somewhere around there and when he went and got the shoes and come back and put them on where feet should be miraculously feet grew into the shoes by the power and the manifestation of the spirit of God But you know what intrigues me about those things that are amazing to me, is not really what took place on the public scale. It's what took place behind the scenes that nobody ever saw. Dr. Lester Summerall will tell you a story that him and Smith Wigglesworth were ministering in the same conference, in the same meeting and and Smith looked at him and said, hey, I want you to come see me sometime. So one of these days Smith or Lester Summerall goes and meets and he's just going and, and he said he shows up at Smith Wigglesworth's door and he's knocking on the door. Smith answers the door and Lester Summerall has a newspaper under his arm. He said, you can come in, but you keep those lies out of my house because it is well known that Smith Wigglesworth would not have anything inside his residence except the word of God. Because he knew when it came time to begin to minister the word of the Lord, he didn't need anything warring against the truth that had impacted his heart. And it's amazing to me that their first encounter in their first meeting, Lester, will, will say this. It's, it, you can go find it on YouTube. When I walked in the room, he said, Smith Wigglesworth read me the Bible for about 30 minutes. Then he said, then we prayed for about 30 minutes. They he said, are you hungry? Let's go in there. And they went in and got a bite to eat for lunch. And he came back in there and he said, and then he read the Bible to me for 30 more minutes. Then we prayed for 34 minutes. And he said, okay, now come back and see me. How many of you would like to go visit somebody like that? They really didn't have any dialect one-on-one. They just said, look what I've been reading. And they read the word and then they pray. And then they read the word and then they pray. And what's amazing to me, though, is when he left Smith Wigglesworth's house as he was walking down the road, he was like, I don't know what just happened, but something just happened to me. The word of God began to permeate in Lester Summerall and begin to transform him because of this relationship they, that they had. Yes, I know we like to glean from the public ministry of Smith Wigglesworth, but you know what fascinates me is what took place when he wasn't on the platform, it was the life that he lived. They also say this about Smith Wigglesworth. You would never, ever, ever find him with not at least the New Testament on his person because it was the very essence of the word of God. That was his DNA. That is how he lived. There was another man that had a mighty miracle ministry by the name of A.A. A. Allen. Anybody ever heard of him? Yeah. Crazy, out-of-the-box out of type of miracles. That took place. But what was amazing to me is we can go back on, on the internet and we can see the type of miracles. There's even YouTube videos that are concerning the miracles. Just crazy, out of control type of miracles, transforming miracles. But but it's amazing his story about what led him into that type of ministry. You know, the Bible declares this, that we're going to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. Amen. It says that we have the ability to do these things. And then, hey, hey, Alan is having a conversation with the Lord one day. And he says, you know what, God? I know that the word of God declares this truth over me. But how come I'm not able to do it? Anybody ever been there before? I know what the word of God says. But how come it's not manifesting when I think I'm believing in your word? And the Lord said to him, do you really want to know why you can't? He said, yeah, I want to know. He said, okay, come away with me. So this is what A.A. Allen did. He said, talked to his wife. He said, I'm going to go lock myself in the closet, and I'm not coming out until I know why. So he goes in there, and then all of a sudden, he smells this aroma of beef stew. You know it's amazing? You don't really notice food until you fast. A lot of times I skip breakfast, and the days that I decide to fast, it's the only day of the week I want to eat breakfast. So A.A. Allen, he's in there praying and, and he's trying to labor in prayer and he's trying to seek the Lord and he gets this aroma and just a few minutes later, here he is sitting at the kitchen table and his wife just in humility looks at him. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he said he takes a bite of this beef stew, gets a piece of that beef stew in his mouth and he says instantly, here's the word of the Lord. He said, would you rather taste this beef stew or do you really want to know why? You can't lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So this is what he does. He said, okay, I'm not doing it. He tells his wife, I'm not going this direction. I'm going back in that room and I'm not coming out until I know. And then his testimony says, hours go by, days go by, weeks go by. And he's seeking the face of the Lord. And then all of a sudden he sees this glory shine underneath the door of the closet and what it is, God himself in the form uh, of his goodness comes to meet with him and speaks to him directly on how it is that he can move into the manifestations of healing. But there was something that stirred in him that says, I have got to know why. I have got to know why I'm not moving in the truth of revelation. There's another man that has really impacted me through his life. He lived in the, in the early 1900s by the name, by the name of Frank Lobbock. He didn't have a mighty ministry. He didn't have a platform ministry. Actually, what he did, he was a teacher. And he would go around building schools so that way people who could not read could learn to read and write so that way they could hear the beauty of Scripture. But he made this decision in his heart. He was wondering one day, just sitting in the presence of the Lord, can anybody on the planet ever come to a place that they can keep God on their mind 100% of the time? And he said, I don't know if it's possible, but I'm going to make my life mission to see if it's possible. So he spent months and and years seeing if he could keep God, making sure that God would never escape his mind. And you can read his journal and you can find the things that he would document that, you know, I have found a place in God today in his presence that makes everything outside of his presence absolutely disgusting to me. He would say things, the things that used to be hard for me, now I do with ease. The things that used to be difficult, now I can do with no problem. I lose no sleep over nothing and I stress about nothing and actually nothing bothers me anymore because he found this place in God. And at the end of this journal that he has, he says, You know what? I'm still not able to do it half of the time, but I have made it a thing in my heart that I'm not gonna stop until I get there. Guys, you're gonna hear the purpose of why I'm talking about all this here in just a minute. Kenneth Hagin we a lot of us has heard about Kenneth Hagin we we have gleaned from his ministry you can go back and and you can read countless books and videos on his teaching and I'm known that uh, it was earlier this year that we did a study on a Wednesday night about the authority of the believer just miraculous revelations and and you can see the public ministry the manifestations of the spirit within the meetings that they would have but you know what intrigues me more about Kenneth Hagin and the things that took place on a public scale is there's a story that his son tells that when you know he would go and he would get home from school and dad would be sitting brother Hagin would be sitting in the corner of a small desk with a dimly lit lamp to, to study the word of God in to pray and, and he would go about his daily business and then he would come back in getting ready for bed. This is talking about Kenneth Hagin's son. And dad would still be sitting there in a corner studying the word of God and he would go to bed and get up for school and dad would still be sitting in the corner studying the word of God. There was something in these men. There's something in women that do the things that God has called them to do on such a massive scale but we don't sometimes understand why. It's because they were willing to sow where nobody had any clue that they were sowing into now does this mean you're going to have a public ministry i don't know that's between you and the lord and what god has prepared for you but ultimately can we look at the life of jesus because how many times did jesus in scripture begin to lay hands on the sick and see him recover see demons cast out of people and jesus was not looking to promote ministry he was actually look, actually looking for an escape plan I'm going to do all this stuff and bless all these people and heal all these people. But I'm going to find a way to escape and get to the mountain so I can do this one thing. I can be alone with my father. Because if he would have never done that, he would have never been able to come to a place where he would say, I do nothing that I have not seen my father do. I say that which the father tells me to speak. Guys, this is the essence of what it is to walk in the spirit, to dwell in the spirit. Because there is something that happens in the arena that begins to touch the masses. But before that happens and the harvest begins to manifest, there has got to be a people who are willing to sow when nobody else sees. Guys, I'm not just preaching to you. A lot of times the way that I minister is simply like this. I see the parts that God is putting pressure on my life and that's where I minister from. Because I'm not up here telling you that just because I'm a minister and this because I'm a preacher that I've got all things under control. And boy, all I do with my life, I wake up in the morning and I spend 38 hours in the Word and I pray and I fast and I do that. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm just like you. I struggle in some areas. There's some times that it's kind of like Paul. Those things that I want to do, I sometimes don't do. And those things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Anybody else live that life? from time to time, and then at the end of the day, you're thinking, what in the world did I do today? I wasted a day that I'm never gonna get back. Now, guys, when, when I talk about this today, I want you to understand something, that this does not diminish who you are in God. If you go a day without praying, it's not like God kicks you out of the family. If you don't fast 400 days next year, then there's just no hope for you, right? But in that the way the enemy speaks into our minds? Well, you didn't fast, you didn't pray, you didn't didn't seek the Lord, you didn't do all this. So you know what, you get what you deserve. The only problem with that is there's the blood of Jesus that covers us. And the Bible also declares that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not my performance that makes me accepted in Him. It's the righteousness of God that makes me accepted in Him. And I can rest in that knowing that God has me covered. But I also don't want to stop just thinking God has me covered. I want to move in Him. Amen? It's amazing to me that there's so many people that says I can do whatever I want to because God's got my back. But the reality is if God has really permeated your heart, the things that you want to do will radically change. I can tell you God has affected me to a level that I don't want to go to the crack house down the road or I don't want to go to the bar down the road or I don't want to go watch this filthy movie down the road. Why? Because there are things that I want to do that I used to do but I no longer want to do them. I want to move in the things of God. I want to be pleasing as the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak. Now, there's some areas in our hearts that we need to begin to move into, and I'm going to go through these quickly. But again, I want to preface this before we move into the: This does not make you accepted in Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus. Amen. It's the blood of Jesus that has caused you to move out of darkness into marvelous light. Without the blood of Jesus, we're lost. Without the sacrifice, there is no hope for us. But thank God that he was willing to pay the price for us so that I through him could become the righteousness of God. Guys, I want to begin to sow in the area of prayer. We just got out of a a, a series on Wednesday night, praying like Jesus. And the essence of it was to step into this arena of prayer, believing what the word of God declares and declare what the word of God says. Amen? Amen. We've got to move in this aspect because what happens as we sow into prayer, it begins to unlock the heart of the believer to receive heaven's strategy. Guys, we always want to know what God, what do you want to say? We live in a turmoil type of world. You in agreement with that? Um, It's just chaos. How do we move out of chaos back into order? Well, first thing, we're going to have to sow into the arena of prayer because as we sow, it unlocks our ear to hear heaven's strategy, how to deal with the chaos that we are encountering on a day-to-day basis. But if we're not willing to sow into prayer, we're never going to hear the strategy of heaven begin to deal with the things that we are facing. Because we got to move into this, and we've got to sow into this area. We've also got to begin to live a life that sows into worship. How many knows that worship is not just a Sunday morning experience? It's a lifestyle for the believer. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, the Bible declares reasonable service, but you translate that by the Greek, it's your reasonable worship. It's your reasonable worship. Our life, giving unto God, is our only reasonable worship, not just when we throw our hands up in the air. Amen? But we move into this arena and we sow into worship. What happens when we sow into worship? It increases the heavenly atmosphere around us. Guys, and I'm telling you, we live in a day where we better have a heavenly atmosphere surrounding us instead of this demonic atmosphere that is wreaking havoc on the land. When you worship, it brings you into a place of more awareness to hear what God is wanting to release. We sow into the word. As we sow into the word, it creates a supernatural hunger. Guys, I don't know about you guys, but I I am not one of those people that just loves water with all their heart. You can look at me and probably tell. But it's amazing what happens in the summertime when it's 100 degrees outside. You go to the water cooler every chance that you get. But as soon as the heat goes, so does the water. But what I have realized, the more I let water come into my system, the more I actually begin to crave water. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Guys, the reality is this. The more you sow into the Word, the more you begin to crave the Word. Why is that? Because it creates a supernatural hunger for more, and then you get to a place where you can't get enough. It creates a supernatural hunger, not just for the logos word, which is the written word of God, but the revealed rhema word of God, that you want to hear what God is speaking at a consistent, constant level. Amen? Guys, I want you to hear me this morning. You don't have to come to church to hear from God. I thank God that we can come to church and we can get some declaration and we can get some revelation by what God is releasing through the leadership of this house, but you know you can get into a place that you can hear from God yourself. Hallelujah. God wants to speak to you. No, you know, God was silent for 400 years and then here comes Jesus and God has not stopped speaking since then. He is speaking into the hearts of his people and he is just looking for an ear that is tuned in. We've got to sow into the word of Almighty God because it moves us into arena of faith that cannot be attained otherwise. Amen? It cannot be, why? Because the Bible says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, we have got to hear not just the Logos, the written Word of God, but the revelation that God reveals. And we have got to move in that. We've got to move in fasting. And even though that a lot of us, I don't know anybody that enjoys it until you begin to move in it. Amen? It gets quiet. Can we move on to the next one, sir? Let's talk about that worship thing again. But our fasting, I want you to understand, fasting doesn't move God, it moves you. And the more you fast, it begins to quiet that voice in you that opposes the very nature of God that wants to rise up on the inside of you. The more that you fast, the more you will actually crave what you are receiving from fasting, not just putting things away. Guys, if we get our mindset off of what fasting is and the benefits of fasting, we will begin to fast. But boy, it's so hard because the flesh wants to war against your mind. That stomach begins to turn and that stomach begins to growl and, and we can't bring our focus into the things that God wants to reveal because we are listening to the voice of our flesh. Amen? Okay, let's move on it brings you into that place that you can truly hear praying in the spirit builds up your most holy faith here if hearing promotes faith then praying in the spirit builds up your faith according to the book of jude amen not only do we need to have faith but we need to build upon that faith that is released into us by hearing from the word of god then we got to move into so into meditation we've got to bring revelation and and, and as we meditate upon the word, it strengthens the inward man, the inward spirit. It makes us prosperous according to the book of Joshua. That in, in, if we get the meditation of the law of God, of the word of the Lord, we will move into a place of abundance that we are currently not operating in. You know, it's amazing to me, and I've had this conversation with many people, but you can hear a message from the Lord you can hear the word of the Lord and by the time you get out that door you'll say how how church go It was great what the preacher preach on I don't really remember but it was good anybody ever done that before why because there is a war against you receiving what God wants to impart into you I remember a few years ago we was going on vacation and we passed, I don't know where we was, somewhere in Alabama or Mississippi, but we passed on the, on the interstate, we saw this billboard about there were some country singers that were going to be at this venue. And you know what happened? Just by me looking at that billboard, I didn't hear one of those songs, but immediately one of the names popped out to me, and it got stuck inside of me. And then the only thing I can think about for the next two hours is a song that this person sung, and it's not just the song that they sung. it made me remember what I was doing when I used to be lost and in sin and what was going on when I was listening to that song. And it will stick with you, and it will not, how come the Word of God can't do that? right? Well, the preacher was good. I listened to it. There was something I heard on YouTube today or or Instagram or Facebook, whatever the case may be. And it was good. It was life-changing. But three hours later, you're like, I don't remember. Anybody ever wake up in the middle of the night, you feel like the Lord has downloaded something into your spirit and you think, boy, I better get up and write it down, but you don't and you say, there's no way I will ever forget that. That is life-changing. You go back to sleep, wake up and have no clue what it was because there's a war upon the word. And the enemy wants to snatch that away from you because he knows if it penetrates and takes root, it really will be life-changing. Amen? Yeah. Sowing by the Spirit begins to reap the power of the Spirit. I remember Kenneth Hagin saying this one time that he, he understood that the more he prayed in the Spirit, he would begin to see the manifestation of the Spirit around him. But the less that he would pray in the Spirit, the less manifestation that he would begin to see around him. Because he understood this principle, the more that I sow in the Spirit, I will begin to reap the manifestation and the power of the Spirit I'm sowing into. It's kind of like Pastor Zach last week. He was talking about, guys, if we put something in, if if we feed that good thing on the inside of us, it will begin to grow. But if we continue to feed that bad thing that is warring against us, guess what? That's going to grow too. Amen? Amen. And the more we indulge and the more we allow things that are not godly come into our heart, we don't understand it is taking root and there is a purpose behind it all because it is wanting to grow and function in the realm of evil the same way that God wants to release something of righteous into our spirit. The Bible says this in Psalm 126, Those who sow in tears shall reap joy. Here's that sowing and reaping thing. When you sow, you're going to reap. That's just a biblical principle. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The word of God just declared that as you sow, you're going to reap. But when you reap, even though the sowing may be difficult at times, you're going to reap with a joy. And not only are you going to receive joy, but there's going to be a harvest that accompanies you as you receive that which you have been sowing. Amen? This is how we move into these things. Now, there is no doubt how to move towards the harvest. We just talked about it. We just sow into the things of the Spirit. There is no doubt in our hearts. I think everybody in this room knows how to draw closer to God. Maybe you don't know the ins and outs of it, but you just know that if you get in the Word and you begin to pray and you begin to seek the face of the Lord, you'll be moving in that direction. we in agreement. So we understand how to move towards the harvest. And guys, when I talk about the harvest, I'm not just talking about the lost. I'm talking about the harvest that you will receive of the abundance of the goodness of God and the kingdom of God that is meant to operate in your life. When we talk about the harvest, it's not just about the lost, even though the lost is a major component of what we're talking about. But guys, one of the core values, the main thing, the vision, statement of the church is not only that you get born again, but you begin to operate in the fullness of Jesus Christ. So what does it actually mean? It means that the harvest that God has for you, it is time that we walk into that thing which he has already done for us. Amen? So the question is, is not how to attain the harvest. The question that we have today is are we willing to move to the harvest? We just got back from vacation yesterday. And I'll be honest, there was a time in my life that I was in good shape. That wasn't funny. <laughs> there was, I was in great shape. I could take off and run a couple miles and be okay. Now it's like I go outside and get out of breath. I was in great shape, but you know what? There was a, there's a reason that I'm no longer in great shape. It's because I've sold in the wrong areas. We just got back on vacation, and it's kind of a joke, but it's not really a joke. It's the reality. When we decide where we're going to go on vacation, the first thing we do is we find out where to eat, right? Come on. Who wants to be truthful? How many of you have ever got a Maps on your phone and type places to eat? Ooh, that looks good. We'll hit that tomorrow. And you know what, you get back from vacation, how was your trip? It was great. Let me tell you the bad places we ate and the good places we ate. And when you come to us and if you ever say, we're going to Pigeon Forge, where's a good place? We've got the answer. And we've also got the answer of places that you should probably avoid. What is the point? Because I've sold in this arena in my life, my mind is geared towards that. Now I don't necessarily like being 260 pounds. I'd much rather be around 215 or 220. Because I don't like holding my breath when I put my shoes on. Amen? This is why I wear shoes that you don't have to tie. You know, it's funny. You're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a way I get back into being in shape, but I've got to sew in the right areas. Guys, and here's the thing. It's not that we're lazy about anything because I I would just go ahead and say that most people are not lazy. You may not accomplish much, but you're not lazy because you're busy all of the time. When I was growing up, and many of you can testify to this, when I was growing up, you'll remember this. I'd get home from school or basketball practice or whatever, and I would be at home from the time I got home. I would go to bed and get up and go to school. You ask our girls if they're hardly ever home. It just seems like there's something going on all the time. Is anybody else busy? Your kid's got this to do. You've got this to do. We just live in a busy time. It doesn't seem like there's enough hours in the day and we move into these things. We're just constantly moving, constantly busy, constantly working, but what are we accomplishing by the busyness that's in our hearts? If we aren't willing to sow, it's not a resource problem. The Bible says this in 2 Peter, his divine power gives us All things that pertain to life and godliness. Let me just say that again. By his divine power, he has given us all. Do we know what all means? All things that pertain to life and godliness. So every resource that we need is available by the divine power of the one who is able to do the work inside of us. But the thing is, are we willing? The Bible says this, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And we all want to eat the good of the land. But are we all going to be willing and obedient? That's the key thing. Because we all know how to move towards the harvest. We all know how to move in this revelation of how to get where we need to be in order for us to be an influence to those people that God sends in our direction for us to impact by the goodness of God. But are we willing? That's the problem. The reason I'm not in shape is because I'm, I'm not willing. <clears throat> a couple years ago, we, was fixing to go on, we go on vacation a lot, it seems, but it seems like we don't go on vacation hardly ever. We got this bright idea. We was going down to the beach, and we went and bought some exercise equipment. And it was great for about three months until we got back from vacation. Then it was like something we shoved in the corner. We was willing to sow into transformation. But then, after it seemed like it produced the result that we needed it to produce, or we just ran out of time, we quit sowing into transformation. It's the same thing that when when you begin to sow in a certain area of your life, like prayer. I'm going to make it up in my mind that I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek the face of God. Three days you get into it, and then all of a sudden this something happens in your spirit. And you begin to say things in that arena of prayer. The presence of God comes, and you say, boy, this is what I was born for. This is what I exist for, to connect with God, and God to speak to me, and, and I can be this powerful force in the hands of an almighty God. And then day four happens. Well, I got busy today, and then I moved away from this thing. And then all of a sudden, day five, day six, day seven, day eight, day nine, day ten, And what you have found is those things that you were sowing on that was beginning to produce the results that you wanted. Now you're not sowing into that area anymore, but you're still wondering why is it not producing what I wanted it to produce. Guys, a biblical principle is simply this. What you sow into, you will reap. It's that simple. What you sow into, you will reap. Unwillingness is a hard issue unwillingness is a hard issue do you remember in revelation chapter 2 when the angel is speaking to the church of ephesus and he says this i know your works i know your patience i know your labor i know that you can't stand those that are evil you even judge apostles and find that they are liars but i have this problem you've left your first love what is he saying he says you have no desire for me in your heart You have no desire. And God, he's not saying you you don't like me. You're doing the work. You can do the work that God has called you to do, but still not desire him. You can do the work that God wants you to do, but still not desire him. And I'm a prime example of that. When When I was younger, God gave me this wonderful opportunity to be a youth minister. And boy, I just, I hit the ground running. And I was ministering to kids. And and we were seeing some mighty things. And then all of a sudden the door opened and I went to a bigger church. And then it wasn't long that I began to sow into the ministry instead of sowing into the spirit. And you know what happens when you sow into the ministry instead of sowing into the spirit? You'll get sick of the ministry. Hello? It's like fasting again, we're... When you give your life for the ministry, you could eventually get burnt out and get sick of it. But when you sow into the Spirit, guess what happens? Ministry just happens. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to struggle for it. You don't. It just flows out of your innermost being as you sow into the Spirit. Some of you that are wringing your hands, saying, when is this going to end or when are we going to see a breakthrough? I want you to shift your focus this morning. Sow into the Spirit, and then you will begin to see that which you were called to see. Amen? I'm going to try to wrap this up in the next four hours or so. (coughs) Mm -hmm. Psalm chapter one. I'm going to go quick because I want you to see a few things. (coughs) Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now I want you to look at that verse, just real quick, can you throw that back up there? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the path to sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. What is this saying about this man? He doesn't have a part with evil. But it's not him having no part with evil is not what moves him. What moves him is when we get into verse 2 that says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he does meditate day and night. Guys, what moves him is not his stance just against evil. And guys, I think what has happened is the enemy, we have bought into a lie that as long as we make a stance against evil, then we're doing what we need to do. But the problem is, is we've made a righteous stance against evil, but our focus has been as a stance against evil instead of stance in righteousness. Is it a good thing to stand against evil? You better believe it's a good thing to stand against evil, but make sure your focus is upon the one who is worthy of all worship and glory. You know, sometimes it's easy. We can worship our own posture. Well, I've made a righteous stand against it, but is your delight in the law of the Lord. It goes on to say, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season whose leaf all shall shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Why does he move into this arena where everything that he does shall prosper? It's not because of his stance against evil. It's because of his delight. You can also look in the Hebrew and see what that word delight means. You know what it means? Desire. Desire. His desire is in the law of God. His desire is the presence of the Lord. His desire is the goodness of God. His desire is wrapped up in the the righteousness of God instead of those things that are opposing the righteousness of God. Then we can move over into Psalm chapter 27 and it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell, though an army may encamp against me. My heart shall not fear, though war may rise against me. In this I will be confident. Do you see the hand of God at work in this man's life? Do you see the power of God? But he was not wrapped up in the power of the hand of God. He was Wrapped up in this thing, one thing I have desired of the Lord. It's not that I live in this arena of protection, in this bubble that the enemy can't get to me. I thank God for that. But this one thing I have desired, and this I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. God, God, I thank you for what you have done for me, but I'm not going to be wrapped up in just what you've done for me because I am more intrigued by who you are, just not who what you can do. The Bible says this in Hosea. <coughs> and Miss Tanya, if you want to go ahead and come, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and he rains righteousness on you. That word fallow ground, he says, break up the fallow ground. A few weeks ago, pastor was talking about the soils, you know, when, when the seed was sown and some fell on stony ground and some fell on the rock. And, and, but some fell into this good ground. The Lord began to speak to me a few years ago about letting that soil be what's in my heart. Because there are sometimes the Lord wants to speak into me, but I have not prepared my heart to receive. And therefore, when God speaks to me, I begin to lose, and the enemy begins to snatch what it is that God wants to release into my heart. It's, but it's a heart issue sometimes. So what the Bible instructs us to do is break up the fallow ground. What is the fallow ground? It's uncultivated soil. Soil that was called to produce. A heart that was meant to produce, but right now is not producing. Last week, we weren't here, but I watched the service online and pastor was talking about speaking into your kids what are you i'm joy your peace your love your long suffering you know the fruit of the spirit we speak that into the life of kids but guys not only that but we need to speak that into ourselves amen we speak that because why that is the word of the lord and that's what needs to come out of our mouth out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will begin to speak you got to break up the ground of your heart how do you break up the ground of your heart you begin to sow into the spirit you know i remember i was having a struggle earlier on and i was ready to call it quits and i actually did and i went through a about a two and a half year wondering season that I was just acting stupid again. Not that anybody has ever done that before, but I was one of them. And you know, I remember when I was going through that, I I was open and honest and I went and talked to my pastor about it. And I said, look, this is just kind of what's going on. I've, I've lost all zeal. I've lost all passion. I've done, and this is what he told me. He said, you've got to force feed yourself. He said, you have got to turn the worship music on. And you have got to let those things of the Spirit begin to touch you even when you think you don't want it. And you know what? I didn't listen. I said, well, that ain't going to work because I know better than he did, right? Not that anybody has ever done that either. But I know what's best for me. But what I found myself doing is falling completely away. But there was also a time in my life that I was really struggling. And this is what happened. I opened myself up to what God wanted to do in my heart. And you know what? He was willing to do it. Some of you in this room may be struggling, struggling hard this morning. knowing There's something on the inside of you that wants to grab a hold of the things of God, but there's something on the outside that is pulling you in that direction as well. And it's almost got you. You No, but what's amazing to me is you're here this morning. You're here this morning because maybe in your heart you have determined you know what i'm, I'm going to try it one more time i'm going to try it one more time and you have made plans to even come this morning and you have said it in your heart when i leave i'm never coming back i'm not talking about just to the church i'm talking about your relationship with god Maybe things didn't pan out the way that you thought. Maybe you're just in a massive struggle. Maybe you're just underneath this demonic attack that you're sick of fighting. But I want to tell you today that God is willing to break up the fallow ground of your heart. That uncultivated soil, that thing on the inside of you that is born to dwell in the presence of God.